This is the Pause and Reflect podcast with Haley, Sean, and Scout, and today we have a special guest, a foster puppy, Joey, is in the house. He sure is. He might make a background appearance doing some cute little puppy wines from the crate, but TBD on that. Yeah, we picked him up yesterday. Yeah, just over 24 hours at this point, and he's perfect, and I love him. Just kidding. He's not perfect. He's he's pretty sick, actually, and we... We've got some TLC to be giving him before he's ready for a new home. But in my heart, he is perfect. Yeah. And it's very small. He's the third time we fostered fourth dog because we fostered two puppies at once. And then an adult dog on great rest. And now this puppy. Yep. I know. We are repeat fosterers and they know us and they like us. And that feels really exciting when we went in to pick him up yesterday the shelter was kind of half joking about how we foster for them all the time. And I was like, well, you know, this is, this is only our third time, fourth dog, but happy to help. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what all the time counts as. <laughs> I suspect they see you posting online and that makes it feel like you're much more active maybe than <laughs> our actual number of hours fostering, but... Maybe is this most like, people only do it once. Is this like some point about, you know, you have to be get get in front of your audience continuously so they don't oh. forget about you? No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I do like to share updates. I really feel honored that the shelter has trusted us, you know, with four dogs at this point. And it feels really good to share and let them know that they're in good hands. And the Facebook group is like a very supportive place. And there are a lot of people in it um, who have fostered or who are thinking about fostering. And I just think that it's easy to share and, you know, could be productive if that post hits the right person who's considering fostering or who's looking for a dog and ends up being a new home. So, um, yeah, definitely am an active participant in there. But long story short, we have another foster in the house. We do. Yeah, it's a bit of a crazy world, I guess, fostering as we get to see a little bit more of it. I basically hadn't seen any of it before and didn't realize definitely the scale of the operation and the you know they're running very lean budget and just having a lot of dogs come in and out all the other animals too and rely on a lot of volunteers to support all that kind of stuff it's really quite the operation it definitely is the rescue community is so nuanced and complex and of course it's different you know between every rescue between every shelter there are are differences um i think the fact that we fostered for a shelter is also a slightly different experience than some of my friends i i know who have fostered through like breed specific rescue organizations right. or things like that i mean of course a ton of the principles are the same and like a ton of what you end up dealing with is similar across the board, like welcoming a new animal into your home. Um, But I do think some of the logistics, some of the communication certainly varies place to place. And yeah, it, it it sure can get chaotic sometimes. I really feel for the shelter and the staff and what they're trying to do, especially having seen shelter situations in Wisconsin, you know, where we adopted Scout and where we're both from, and then coming down here, I do see some of those stereotypical differences that I was told about, like, being in the quote-unquote South. Um, Mm. So that's been interesting, but I feel really lucky that they've, you know, allowed us into their world to help out. Yeah, they've been nice to us. They seem to trust us a lot, and I guess it's working out for us so far. What are you feeling about this third round so far i think it's been the easiest by far um probably for a ton of different reasons there are so many variables to pull out it's really hard to directly compare but i think it's been the easiest one i think puppies are easier at least for our lifestyle given that our biggest struggle with fostering is that scout is not social with other dogs um she's significantly less afraid of puppies so that makes it simpler also the fact that joey is a very young and and also rather sick puppy so energy wise he's nowhere near as intense as the previous two puppies were mm-hmm. um and so i think that you know there there's that like scout is just simply more comfortable around him than i think she was around any of the other three but then also we've done this three times now and so i feel like at least personally i had a much better sense of what it might be like even logistical things like where are we going to put his crate and where do we put Scout when we're taking him outside and like those sorts of things that I think we were thinking about 
more actively, like it was taking more active brain power when we had our very, very first foster. A lot of that just feels really second nature now. Um, and I've also gotten a sense of how much we can trust Scout. Like I was a lot more wary when we had our very, very first foster here because we had never really had another dog in our home. She'd been in homes with other dogs and we'd managed that situation, but we had never had one like in our own home, in our own territory. Mm-hmm. So I was really, really erring on the side of caution, which I think was the right move. Um, but I don't necessarily feel the need to do that any anymore. Like, you know, yesterday, within a few hours of bringing Joey home, it was like, okay, Scout, like, do you want to sniff him? Like, I'm holding him in my arms. You can come right up to him. You can sniff him, whatever. I, I like have that level of trust with her of what she can handle. And so we can move through that process a bit more quickly, I guess. Yeah. Luckily, she... Well, we've had her at your parents' house when there's been other dogs in the house. Mm-hmm. And we've had her around one of your other parents' dogs you know, closely on walks together and some other dogs. But she's really not much different in our house with another dog here than she is at your parents' house, I think, with another dog. Except that in this environment, she's definitely used to just the three of us being around. Yeah. I do see the territorialness a little bit more here, um, but only in like the moments when we open the front door, you know, and she's crated and she hears us coming in with another creature who does not actually live here. She's more likely to give a couple of woo-woo-woos, which she didn't really do at my parents' house. But again, different situations. The environment was also set up physically different there, like where we were sleeping with her and all of that. Um, Yeah, I mean, she's super, she's super manageable. I was really scared to foster initially living with a quote-unquote reactive dog like scout does not enjoy other dogs in her space she actively dislikes other dogs in her space and that was a big emotional process for me like even the conversations that you and i had about how we decided whether or not we could foster whether or not we should foster if it was fair to the dog we brought in if it was fair to scout it was fair to you and me in terms of like what that entails logistically and so i'm really 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 happy with how it's worked out. I mean, he's been here for what, like not even a day and a half and she's lying on the floor right there with her eyes closed pretty much all the way asleep. She's definitely slightly more on edge, but she's clearly totally fine and we're helping Joey out and it just feels really, really, really nice (laughs) that like it didn't crash and burn. (laughs) You know, it's funny having Scout the cattle dog, she likes to try to supervise and then we have to supervise the supervisor. It's really <laughs> a lot of uh, mid-level management getting in here. <laughs> mid-level management. <laughs> I love that. Oh, but, cool. yeah, I think, you know, objectively it's gone very well. Um, you know, we we spend a lot of time with the fosters doing things. You know, the last set of puppies we took quite a few places. And I think you definitely over or overestimate what you think you know the standard is for taking care of the foster or doing right by them which i know you have very high standards for what that looks like but i think we do you know a very very good job of managing both dogs and still getting lots of time to spend with both dogs I like this. I like this praise, Sean. Let's keep the warm, fuzzy, <laughs> tootin' our own horn feelings coming. Um, no, I mean, I, I do agree with you. I think we've done a good job. I've definitely overthought a lot of different moments in the process. I mean, even just since bringing Joey here yesterday. And it hasn't been entirely seamless or, you know, completely simple at any given point. But I think it's been really worthwhile. I have no regrets about fostering. And it's really... You know, it's great to see, especially over the three times that we've done it, like the fact that it has gotten easier. And again, Mm -hmm. like there are confounding variables present. It hasn't gotten easier just because we've gotten so much better, like different dogs, different personalities, all of that. But seeing that it's only gotten easier does make me feel confident that it like, like clearly it's gone well. You know, Scout was not traumatized by us bringing our very first foster into her home Mm -hmm. and... She continues to not be traumatized, and none of the dogs that we've brought into our home have faced undue struggles because of it either. You know, like, I think we've done a good job of advocating for both dogs. Um, And I think that that was a more intense process with our first foster. Our first foster, the shelter named her Batty. We called her Val after Ender's Game. Um, And she 
was a medically mandated crate breast case. And she had a ton of energy. She was recovering from a broken femur. She was pretty big, a little bit bigger than Scout, um, which, I mean, is not, like, huge for a dog, but but larger than a puppy, of course. And so physically managing that space felt a lot different. Like, she was a full-grown dog. She was very, very strong. Scoutle, enough. Good girl. Perfect example of supervising the supervisor as she got just a little <laughs> too close to Joey's crate. Um, example of advocacy right there. Anything that I would not allow another dog to do to Scout, Scout can't do to another dog. So she wasn't making noise. She wasn't really being disruptive, but she was starting to approach his crate and stare at him. And he deserves to feel safe in his crate. That's a safe space. So quickly called her away. Now she's up on the couch by us. You know, no big yeah. deal. Yeah, a bit um, of a weirdo. Yeah. But, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, with, with Batty slash Val, like that was a huge thing. I mean, Val had to spend a ton of time in her crate and it was just harder to navigate the space because she was bigger. The crate was bigger. She was really interested in hanging out with Scout. Like she, I, I got the sense that she was very social. Obviously we couldn't directly test that due to her health, but um, when we would take them on walks and at the beginning of the walk, she'd like put a ton of pressure on Scout and all of that. And so there were just more variables to manage. I mean, Joey's just like the most chill puppy I've ever seen. It breaks my heart that it's because he's sick. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see him continue to get more enthusiastic. But yeah, he's like, he's making this too easy for us. <laughs> yeah, he definitely has been just logistically the easiest because he's been the lowest energy, I think, out of the three. And it definitely makes a difference having some experience. The first dog we brought home, there was a lot to learn or just a lot to get used to with the two of us, with our communication about which dog's going where. And I don't know, I guess it'd be interesting to see if we had that, you know, baddie again now, how we'd feel about it. You know, how much of that really was just with the first dog versus, you know, for a specific situation. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, confounding variables, it's it's tough to say. I'm happy with how we handled it. I'm happy that we erred on the side of caution. I think Batty felt safe here. I think Scout felt safe here. I'm not saying that they all felt 100% comfortable in every moment, because they didn't. Like, Scout definitely got scared. Batty was super energetic and confined to crate rest. Like, that sucks for any dog. But I had to just keep reminding myself that her being in our home, even if it wasn't the most perfect environment, like even if Scout was afraid of her and didn't want to play with her or be friendly with her, even if she was on crate rest, so couldn't do those things like playing anyway, it was still better than being in the shelter environment. She was still getting so much quality time with us. And that's kind of what I've tried to think about every time we've done it. And I've started to overthink. I've tried to just come back to the central focus of, can I fulfill every dog in my care? Can I make sure every dog in my care has their basic needs met and that they feel reasonably safe and secure? Like, can I do right by them? And that doesn't have to look like perfection. You know, that doesn't have to look like Scout never being scared or never being uncomfortable. But on the average, can I make sure that every creature I'm responsible for is safe and happy? And if so, then it's okay if it's a little bit messy. It doesn't, you know, we don't need perfection. But but if I can confidently answer yes to those questions then I feel really good about fostering and I don't know I guess I just kind of come back to that idea like it was really scary at first to foster I was so so excited about it for so long like Mm -hmm. we talked about it off and on for ages but I was definitely really nervous about it and I was just so afraid of like accidentally hurting anything or anyone right like The shelter trusts you with this dog who is already in a pretty rough spot in their life and you just want to do your best for them. And then like Scout trusts us so much and we've worked so hard with her on so many things. The last thing I wanted to do was jeopardize any of our progress or her comfort in her own home. Like she lives here. She deserves to feel really, really safe here. And yeah, like emotionally that was a lot off and on, but I can, I can really comfortably say as I sit here on the couch with little Joey sleeping over there and Scout next to me that it's all right. Yeah, definitely. The first foster, I mean, she had a broken leg, so 
right off the bat, I don't think that's exactly what she wants to be doing with her life is healing from a broken leg. No, and it was but. painful. Like, <laughs> she had a ton of metal in there, and it, it was a bad break. Yeah, but it does, you know, it takes a bit to get to know the dog, and, and it even takes a bit for us to get comfortable around the dog, even though we, you know, you have more experience than me, but have pretty good experience with interacting with dogs and knowing how to become friends with them, you know, more or less. Like, it's still going to take a bit for us to get used to the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are just so many things, like, at any given moment, I could pause and unpack my brain and just be running through, like, these crazy, chaotic tendrils of thought, like, overthinking all of the potential stress signals and overthinking, like, oh my gosh, did I reinforce this when I didn't mean to, or did X, Y, or Z happen? And, like, it, it could definitely feel really overwhelming at times, but kind of coming back to those central tenets of fundamentally we're doing right by everyone. The shelter's been very supportive. I get to be in touch with their staff. I get to keep them updated. So like that base is all covered. Scout clearly, you know, doesn't hate us. Like I'm sure she wishes Joey wasn't here right now. I'm absolutely positive that she would be happier right now if he wasn't here, but she's still happy. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if she even thinks about it that way. (laughs) But... How do you think you're feeling now versus the first time we fostered? And I don't know, I guess the first time we fostered a couple times, you know, things got kind of intense for you, I think. Oh, yeah. Wondering if you were doing right and if, you know, it was too much or too complicated or just like a lot of dogs making a lot of noise and that can get overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, from a sensory overload point of view, having crate rest Val was a lot. She was very loud. In the yeah, long she run. She liked to talk. She liked to talk. <laughs> or yell. <laughs> or yell. In the long run it was very good for me. I actually credit her with helping to sort of like desensitize me to normal dog noises. Scout mostly vocalizes when it's not a positive emotion. You know, mm-hmm. like mostly if Scout is whining or barking, it indicates a, a pretty extreme level of discomfort. Um, she's a she's a pretty quiet dog. So I struggled with that mentally and emotionally with Val at first, where I was like, oh my gosh, like I had it kind of drilled into my head and my heart that if the dog in my care was making noise, that I was totally failing. And I had to get over that and recognize that we could do what we, what we can. You know, we gave her as much enrichment as we could. We took her on the short walks that we were allowed to take her on as soon as we were allowed to take them. Every single day after she was cleared for them, you know, we were taking her on those short jaunts. Like, we were doing our best. But there was an element of you're recovering from an injury, you're in a little bit of pain, and you can't move around. Like, you have you have to be on crate rest or wearing a leash if you're out, because otherwise you're trying to, like, go crazy and jump on the couch and zoom around. And... Yeah, so, like, there was that noise. And then, of course, there was the scout being uncomfortable and getting really easily startled noise. I think she got a lot more startled with Val when Val would move. Like, especially in the early days, if Val would just adjust in her crate and scout was on, like, the other side of the of the room, scout would jump up and be like, mm-hmm. what is that? Like, do I need to intervene? Like, that startle reflex, a, a bit of the fear. I think a bit of the, the cattle-dog herding breed tendency to, like, sort of be the fun police. Like, that's a, a big thing that I've heard in the breed. So yeah, long story short, it was really emotional. I think that I have processed things better the the next two times that we fostered. Granted, we're only a day and a half in with Joey, TBD, but I'm feeling really great so far. Um, I think I had better perspective going in. I think that the experience with Val, again, taught me a lot about accepting good enough and, and doing what I can and trying to let go not putting quite as much pressure on myself and then also taking care of myself better. Like I think that when we had the previous two foster puppies, I did a much better job of giving myself permission to do something that wasn't directly with either or or any of the dogs in our house. Like when Val was here, I felt a lot of pressure. Like if I wasn't actively doing work, like freelance work that was paying me, I felt like I had to be engaging the scout or I had to have Val out of the crate and be supervising her and like trying to give her some sort of fulfillment. And that created a lot of pressure on me for a while. But even like this morning, I woke up and 
we were a little bit tired, you know, like Joey had to go out last night, had to set alarms, Scout had a little bit of FOMO towards morning, and I told you that we should go on a run because I thought that that sounded like it would be something that would help me feel a little bit better and feel more in control. And so we went on a run without any dogs. Like we didn't even bring Scout on the run. And I think that that is just, it sounds silly. It's such a little thing. Like we just went on a run, but to me, it's a huge example of the progress that I feel like I've made in terms of just getting my mental and emotional state right. And like balancing my self-care with the well-being of the dogs in our home when we have a foster around. Like, I didn't feel guilty about that at all. I was like, Joey's going to be fine for an hour and he's great. Scout's fine. Like, they've peed and they've pooped and they've gotten food and I'm going to go run with Sean and get my head straight so that the rest of the day I cannot be grumpy and not feel overwhelmed emotionally. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Definitely sounds more normal than... <laughs> I mean, we spend more than enough time, you know with the fosters, with letting them. It was obviously tough with Val because she had the broken leg. And so she was, it's, you know, it was almost like we had to spend you know, two minutes for every one normal minute you'd spend with the dog or required that much more effort to fulfill her and pay attention to her. And well, yeah. Can you imagine if we would have just been allowed to play like intense tug or fetch with her? Like, right. And then put her in her crate for however many hours we needed to. And then with the puppies, you know, they need to, they can't go more than a couple hours usually without going to the bathroom or doing something for them. Um, so that definitely starts to just, you know, the repetition, you don't get that much time away from them, but yeah, I think it's, it's very normal to spend a lot or it'd be normal if we spent less time with them, but it's definitely nice that we do spend that much time with them and you have fun with it. And that's how I want it. I mean, like for me personally, I'm really excited about the fact that we get to bring these dogs into our home and I want to spend as much time with them as I can in this short window that I get to be around them before I send them off to the rest of their life. Um, But you're totally right. I love that you always help remind me of that sort of outside perspective. Like I spend a lot of time waist deep in the dog Instagram and like online dog world space. And then I have a ton of friends in the space a a huge portion of my connections own dogs or train dogs and so I'm like constantly inundated with this like look what I'm doing with my dog and look what else I'm doing with my dog and oh we also did this thing and it is easy to forget that like you know if we kind of look at averages and expectations and sometimes more reasonable standards there's a lot of wiggle room and like I'm not failing if I'm taking some time for myself. It sounds silly that that was a difficult thing for me to accept, but I struggled with that when we had Val. And then I just was so emotional. Like, I don't know. There were a few times that I just really wondered if it was the right thing. Like Scout really struggled Mm -hmm. with Val at first. Like that, there were some really hard moments and I was proud of her overall. And logically, I think we were able to step back and realize that like she, she did okay. And like, she was fine, but there were some in the moment experiences where I just felt like I, I just felt like I was ruining everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I think, you know, we go into it with a certain mindset of what we're used to with owning a dog and like a lot of that changes quickly and a lot of that starts going into those territories that we're used to getting nervous about or ner- like the red flags start going up because it's abnormal and then we go oh is this right or not right and you know that's definitely part of just bringing a new dog into the home like for me I think I try just to get to know the dog and start understanding the personality to really try to loosen a lot of what I think I know going into it and just sort of like lay out just a wide open field or foundation and just sort of let the dog you know, show me what they're about so that we start, you know, putting those pieces in place and figuring out who they are. And then it gets complicated once you, you know, have two dogs and lots of different, you know, requirements or preferences and to start like navigating how do I fit, you know, taking the puppy out however many times we need to in a day with still playing games with Scout in the backyard and not have 
you know, too much chaos. Yeah. And you are so good at that. I absolutely love that about you. Like, I think you, you phrased it earlier as becoming friends with a new dog and getting to know them. You are so great at turning off a lot of your expectations, obviously maintaining the baseline level of dog knowledge required to like be safe. Like, you know, you're not reckless with new dogs by any means, but you're really good at letting go a lot of those sort of arbitrary expectations and just like, you know, like I remember you just getting on the floor with Val, just being like, who are you? You know, how are we, how are we going to connect? And that was so helpful for me. I get in my head a lot more. I I think I struggle with that more um, still. And so that is so, it's so wonderful to have. I feel like it's a huge asset to our fostering experience. Like even just watching you with little Joey, like he warms up to you so quickly and he has fun with you and you just know how to get right down on the ground with him and just like move around and be goofy. It's fantastic. Yeah. I think it helps then play into your perspective of how can we do right by the dog, which means, you know, going above just keeping it alive and well-fed and all those things and start to really, you know, respect the dog and build a couple of foundational pieces, not necessarily through specific training, but just through like consistency and just like a lot of the fundamentals. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess what's, is that, what do you think about when you're thinking about the foster dog? Cause we only have them for a couple of weeks or mm-hmm. a month or, we're not the ones who are going to train this dog and then turn it over to someone because even if we did that it wouldn't really matter because they're going to be in a new home and everything is going to change and so whatever we taught them some of it will carry over but you know it's sort of silly because it's not exactly what their life's going to be for the next 10 years yeah I think that's a fantastic point I've been trying to think of it in terms of what things do I think will be most beneficial for them on average? Like, we did do some baseline obedience training and mental work with Val, partially because that's what she could do without moving a bunch and putting a ton of weight on her legs. Um, but also partially because I felt like building a little bit of impulse control on some of those skills were really, really good. Like, you know, the way that she really didn't like her crate at first. Like, that was something... Crates are very, very common. There was a good chance that in her future home, she would be asked to spend some time in her crate. She also obviously needed to be in it because of the whole crate rest bit. So there were very, very good reasons there to prioritize that as something that we worked on and built a positive association on. And then like that general impulse control is pretty much always a great skill as well. Um, I remember making the decision with Val where Scout has an implied stay in all of her positions. So like I just put her in a position like, I just say down, and then I don't have to say stay. Like, down has an implication that you lie down and you, you stay in that down until I tell you otherwise. Um, but with Val, I taught her, a, a like, a pretty casual. The criteria was low because, again, she's going to a home that isn't me. I'm not aiming for, for perfection. But I did start to teach her the gist of, like, what the word stay with a, you know, hand up, stop, hand motion meant because I figured that was also something that, like, her future family likely would use like that's the typical word used um so trying to think of it in terms of what things can I do that are like for one thing creating harmony in our household like kind of priority number one is can you coexist in my space with us can we make sure that you have your basic needs met those sorts of things and then after that what sorts of ways can I set you up for success in the future I don't know exactly what your future looks like so what general trends what general skills can I pull out and try to help you with. So like with the baby dogs, that was a lot of let's get you out safely in public environments and try to give you a really good experience, let you take in some new sights and sounds, let you play around and feel confident and comfortable. With Val, again, lots of those things I just talked about. I mean, with Joey right now, frankly, it's that he is sick and he needs to recover. And so almost the only thing on my mind is we got to get you healthy. I am not thinking too far ahead about any real sorts of skills besides just don't give him any traumatic experiences that could cause issues. Um, Or, you know, when we hear a loud noise outside or a bicycle goes by, I make sure that I'm not reacting in a way that would set him up to like have an even more intense response to it, trying to Mm -hmm. just like take in the world with him. But yeah, the priorities have definitely kind of shifted with all of them. Like with Val, it was obviously get you healthy, but she was 
trending in a very, very good direction. Like she started feeling pretty great before she was cleared for full activity. So then it became, how can I work your brain? How can I give you some fulfillment? And you're pretty crazy right now. So how can I set you up for success? Just help you still have a lot of fun, like still be your personality, but maybe have some more impulse control so that your future family can be thankful for that. You can fit more easily to home. Baby dogs, again, it was like, you are infants. How can I help you grow, help you see a little bit of the world, those sorts of things. Not really like any obedience, just how can I help you feel confident? And Mm -hmm. then Joey, it's just how can I help you be healthy again? Like that poor puppy is sick and I just want him to feel better. I'm not thinking really anything beyond getting his belly back to a normal size and getting rid of all these worms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just getting him used to us a little bit and interacting with us and maybe we'll play a game at some point. Absolutely, yeah. I suppose getting them adopted, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we talk a bit more about um, reactivity and having Scout in the home with bringing in some fosters? Like, I guess, or initially, how did you think about that? And then, I guess, how did you prepare yourself? Because you knew it was going to be emotionally tough for you. Because no matter what, like, at some point... You know, somebody's going to be barking or things are going to be different. Scout's going to be a little stressed out just because her whole routine's shifting. Yep. Um, How did you kind of prepare yourself for that? Or do you think you prepared yourself well enough? Um, Yeah, I think I probably prepared myself about as well as I could have before our first foster experience. It definitely still got to me. It was a little bit different in practice. I don't think we can ever properly imagine something exactly how it'll play out. I think that for me, a lot of it came back to some of those things I was talking about earlier, like those key questions being, can I keep the dogs in my care safe? Can I meet their needs? And making sure that I'm keeping that front and center and not getting caught up in some of the things that I feel a lot of pressure to do, but that are also a bit more arbitrary. So a lot of it for me was setting healthy expectations in terms of what did Scout actually need to do and what did I actually need the foster to do? Um, So for me, that was accepting that we have the space, we have the resources, the way that our house is set up. We're really, really fortunate that we could create a situation where we could have Scout in our home and a foster in our home, and they would never need to be in the same room. They would never need to see each other. They would never need any of that. And so I went into it knowing that, like, worst case scenario, Scout just really cannot handle the the sight, the smell, the whatever of, of this dog in your space. We can separate the house such that they never even see each other. Obviously, that wasn't the goal. The goal was to see how peaceful and seamless we could make the coexistence. Mm -hmm. But that was really helpful for me to have in the back of my mind as like, that's a choice we could make to just have full separation. And that would be fine. That's not failing. That's not letting anyone down. We would make sure that both dogs were fulfilled and had everything that they needed. And that would have been okay. So that really helped me to just sort of have that like hanging out in the back of my head is okay. We can fall back on this if needed. Um, Beyond that, like erring on the side of caution, making sure everyone felt advocated for That's a big thing for me because scouts reactivity is rooted in fear. Like she's uncomfortable with other dogs, doesn't trust them easily feels unsafe. So thinking about how we could set up situations to show the dogs that we liked The other dog, like, I thought it was important for Scout to see us enjoying Val, and I thought it was important for Val to see us enjoying Scout, like, working her outside of the crate, those sorts of things, but without forcing any type of interaction, like, trying to rely on some of those social cues and social things, you know, like, look, like, I'm having fun playing with this dog, I'm greeting this dog, I'm excited that this dog is here. At the same time, Mm -hmm. I'm not forcing you to be right up by this dog, um, taking things slowly, I guess maybe it would be helpful to talk a little bit more about actual logistics, just to give a sense of like, where did we put crates and where did creatures sleep and how has this evolved? Because a lot of it for me was also planning and thinking about potential logistics before we brought our first foster home. Yeah, it's very comforting to know that the worst case, it's going to be all right. And yeah, we do. Yeah, that was pretty easy to do. We have Scout has her bedroom in the back of the house, which is attached to the back door. So it's easy to get into the fenced-in backyard. And then for our first foster, we put her in the living room pretty near the front door. 
And we did that because she had to spend so much time in her crate. I didn't mm-hmm. want her to feel completely socially isolated every time she was in it. So I'm a big fan of giving dogs really quiet, calm places to sleep, often that are out of the way. But for her, I felt like it was important from the get-go that we try to see how she did being in that space because we spend the bulk of our time hanging out in the living room. So that way, even though she had to be like physically contained so as to not hurt herself, she didn't feel like she was totally what's the word I'm looking for, um, ostracized, like, to another yeah. room. <clears throat> Outcasted. Sure. Right. Trying to give her the, as much just social connection or pretty much anything we could give her because she wasn't getting much stuck in that crate. But And then we started, when we brought her, we started with her in the living room and Scout in her bedroom, kept Scout's crate where it mm-hmm. had always been. Um, and then eventually we did move Scout's crate into the living room to be near Val's. That's often part of an integration protocol with dogs is having them sleep near each other. Still safely contained, of course, um, but near each other there can be a social element to that. Yeah, so some nights she did that, some nights she slept in our room with the door closed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and with the puppies we've had them a little bit off from the living room, a little bit more of a quieter area but you know still pretty i don't know there's not like anywhere that's really that far away in our house (laughs) (laughs) the way it works is that the living room is like open concept connected to the kitchen and laundry room and then the laundry room is where the hallway to our bedroom starts so by putting the puppy crates in the laundry room when we're out in the living room we can still we have full view of them they can feel like they're sort of near us but they're not close enough that all of our movements are going to be completely disrupting their sleep. Like puppies need a lot of sleep. Also trying to set some crate training foundations. And then also by having them be at the entrance to our bedroom, we can easily hear them overnight and it's really easy to let them out in the middle of the night. So that was the big decision there. We did not have Scout sleep in her crate near the puppy's crate, um, largely because the puppies turned into chaos monsters when we let them out in the middle of the night, even when the puppies were crated separately. They, they spent some nights crated in the same crate, some nights crated separately. We were trying to work on their independence, but also let them seek comfort from each other. They just became chaotic, and it felt unfair to Scout and her sleep if I had to be taking those dogs out multiple times a night to have Scout's crate right there, and then like puppies sprinting out of their crate and running right up to her crate and like making all that noise in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So... I get like it, it's always kind of weighing a bunch of variables in my mind. Like trying, you know, at any given moment, I could make ten choices, and here are the pros of this choice, and here are the potential cons of this choice, and like what things am I prioritizing most, and so how am I actually going to set it up? Like you know, what matters most, the sort of social connection that can come from sleeping in the same area, or like actually getting sleep, and like all of those things sort of playing out together. Which always crate is in the same place that the other foster puppies crate was. Yeah, that's kind of funny. I, I usually don't have 10 things in my mind, so I'm more likely to go with the let's try something out, and if it doesn't work, all right, we'll do it differently <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah, you're but. fantastic at that, too. You you really help me remember that most things aren't the end of the world. Sometimes I get it in my head that if I try something and it doesn't work, it means that like I let someone down or mm. I really messed up, and you help me remember that, of course, like keeping physical safety in mind. We're not, we don't. Yeah, we're not going to mess with that. Yeah, but like beyond that, it really is okay to try a couple of things and mm-hmm. adjust. And usually, I realize there's probably something I haven't thought of that I'm going to go, oh, you know, if I had known that, I would have chosen to do this instead. So you <laughs> sort of just have to learn those things. But we're a good team with it. And yeah. then um, logistically, during the day, we try to vary who's out. Um, so Scout, pretty quickly, even with Val, actually. I mean, it, it took about a week. But by the time we had had Val for about a week, Val could be in her crate and Scout could be free roaming without a leash or any sort of tether. And we could just verbally mm-hmm. interrupt her if we needed, if she was putting too much pressure on Val in the crate. She did that with the foster, the last batch of foster puppies. She did that like day two, maybe. With Joey, she did it right away yesterday. We never set up any sort of barrier. Like, when he's in his crate, she's free. We watch. Um, 
Scout can get weirded out. And again, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not okay with her making Joey feel uncomfortable in the crate, even if she's not like outwardly reacting inappropriately. She doesn't get to walk right up to it and be in his face. Yeah. (laughs) So we supervise. And then when Joey comes out or when, when we've had any of the other foster dogs out, we've just had Scout all the way away, like either in her back bedroom or in the backyard. The foster puppies, again, were a little, little chaotic, um, super small, super sweet, but a little hard to control, definitely rambunctious. Scout got to sniff them. Like, if we were holding them and helping them be still, she got to interact with Arlo really briefly in the backyard and showed that she was pretty uncomfortable, didn't really know what to do. So we, we just haven't really pushed anything in that regard. I think we took almost... I think it was like almost a week with the with Arlo and Mystic, the last two foster puppies, before we let Scout sniff them. Like, I was all nervous. I was like, ah, which in hindsight was kind of silly. Like, I've known that Scout does not have desire to do harm to creatures. But again, I had it really in my head. Like, the shelter trusted me with these foster babies and they're little and like they're in the socialization mm-hmm. period. I have to make sure everything's okay. <laughs> and then when we would hold them in our arms and let Scout sniff, she was just like, okay, like super... You know, a little bit awkward. She's socially awkward, but she was very polite in her sniffing. She'd even play games with us while we had a puppy in mm-hmm. our hands. And then with Joey, we let her do that right away yesterday. Like, I knew that she would be fine. And so, with, again, within a few hours of him being home, she we could trust her to free roam around the crate and then also come up and sniff and investigate. I like to think it makes it a little bit easier for her to coexist if she does get the chance to investigate up close. Again making sure that the puppy is comfortable. Um, That was a little harder with Val. We took them on a bunch of parallel walks once she was cleared for physical activity on that leg. But that was harder because Val was really rambunctious and obviously, you know, had all that pent-up energy from not being able to get the physical fulfillment and honestly the mental fulfillment. We did what we could, but, like, she, she had to be so stationary. That was really tough on her. So it was really difficult. Like sometimes Scout would start to be a little curious about sniffing, but mostly Val's energy kind of turned Scout off. And when we'd have him on walks, Scout would be very happy to be on her side of the road Mm -hmm. and not really paying attention. So again, kind of not forcing it, like being open to Scout showing curiosity in situations where it's safe and fair for everyone. But I was perfectly happy to just walk her and Val in proximity, but not like directly up in each other's grills. I felt great about that. Yeah, Escat does a good job uh, with a lot of that. Most of the time, she makes very good decisions, and then once in a while, she like basically just freezes and builds up, and like just I don't know, completely forgets what the heck she's doing. She forgets but, that she has legs. Yeah, she doesn't. Some she's good. She's learning a lot more about just walking away or keeping moving. Yeah, like especially if we make a noise or call her name. And like she remembers right away, but yeah, on her own, she often gets pretty locked up. That's why it's one of, this is a slight tangent, but relevant, I promise. That's why it's one of my biggest pet peeves when there will be a video of a dog on the internet showing uncomfortable body language and someone will be like, well, if the dog didn't like it, the dog would move. And I'm like, okay, some dogs, sure. I certainly know dogs who are great at advocating for themselves. They always remember that they have legs. And if they don't like something, they do try to physically get away. But Scout is a dog who is very prone to freezing. Like whether that's someone petting her in a way she doesn't like, she's very, very prone to just sort of like freeze up and be like, I'm tolerating this, but I don't like it. And then same with like, when she gets that sort of socially awkward, she's a little bit curious, but she's also very uncertain. Like, she was curious about Val, but Val scared her quite a bit. She'd kind of get locked up. It was like these conflicted mixed feelings. And in- instead of just walking away, she would kind of, like, freeze up and she needed some help. I'm happy to give her that help. Like, she's easy to help in those situations. It's super manageable. Um, but, yeah, sorry. Slight side tension. <laughs> that, that is a pet peeve of yeah. mine. <laughs> then she does pretty good too with i mean she definitely has the fomo like you're talking about and a bit of the territorialness and just doesn't like when other dogs move weird or move at all and stuff like that but motion sensitivity yeah she's definitely done better and you've done a lot better at that too i think especially with this foster that's definitely one of the things for me that can be emotionally most difficult is 
like if you know a scout's on edge starts barking maybe the other dog starts barking and i can see you're just getting frustrated or feeling like no scout we've worked on this you know better most of the time you're good but right now you really it's not even a you know better it's a i my heart is breaking because you're scared yeah it's not like a i don't really like the i know better lingo that much i feel like it it sometimes can be unfair to our dogs i'm not mad at her okay i'm human sometimes i feel mad at her sometimes i do have moments where i'm like come on but most of the time, it's like, this is your house, and you feel so scared that you're reacting, and that makes me feel like I'm letting you down. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or we can imagine how nice it would be if it was quiet and calm, and <laughs> that's sure not how it's going. But yeah, I mean, with this, with Joey, it's definitely been the easiest. Scout's had a couple you know, times where she's been barking in her room or just doing a whole series of pathetic whines because she wants to come hang out with us i think it's almost been exclusively fomo with joey i don't think she's really afraid of him i think he is small enough and low energy enough that i really don't think she's felt much fear it very much sounds like her fomo vocalization Mm -hmm. she's just like why can't i be out and then again like the social awkward sort of curiosity she's a little bit stiff but like i genuinely don't think she's afraid of him yeah i think we're doing a better job of not really letting it get to us at all and just letting her make her noise for a minute and then be quiet again or telling her to knock it off as needed. Speaking of the dog wanting to be involved, she is crawling all over us on this couch. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think think that's a really important thing to talk about. We touched on it a little bit earlier in the context of going on a run and like some of that self-care for us as people and not just the well-being of the dogs. But I think I've done the best job so far in this experience with Joey of being more aware of all of the different sort of facets of what I need as the human in the equation too and how to make sure that I'm also doing right by myself and doing right by you. I think I let myself get a lot more overwhelmed with Val. Um, and, I, and I think there are different areas for me to focus on, and it's been important to recognize all of them. So, like, Val was largely emotional and mental. Like, again, she was loud. That was grating on me from the, the associations that I've deeply internalized with what those vocalizations typically mean for Scout. It seemed like Scout was having a hard time. My heart was broken about Val being hurt and having to be on crate rest. Like, it was emotionally difficult more than anything. Um, I think with the previous two puppies, it was physically difficult, which played into emotions in the sense that my sleep was disrupted every single night. I woke up to let them out at least once overnight, usually more than once. And so from a, like, physical health standpoint two weeks of sleep deprivation like does get to you and it makes it harder Mm -hmm. to think positively. Yeah, especially when you're not used to that at all. Exactly. And so I remember like the one moment, there was only one moment with the foster puppies, which I'm still really proud of. There was just one day where I started to be like, I'm really exhausted and kind of overwhelmed and that. And I was able to catch myself in the moment and recognize like, okay, this is what I'm feeling and this is why I'm feeling it. And like, here's how we can adjust and like that felt awesome and then I feel like with Joey again it hasn't been that many days I don't want to be like yay waving the I'm proud of Haley flag there's <laughs> there's a room for things to get you harder you never know what'll happen tomorrow you never know but I do feel like I'm doing a, a a good job of recognizing like even this morning I was kind of tired I had to let him out overnight and I felt a little bit like stiff from sleeping weird and blah 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 all of those things so I prioritized the run and like that time just us and we even took a short nap earlier today when everyone was quiet in their crates. Like, I feel like we are, we're very ahead of it this time instead of reacting. Like, I'm being proactive in terms of what does my body need? What do I need mentally? Like, part of it with Val, too, was that I was constantly exhausted thinking about these logistics and, like, what is best and how do I help Scout feel better and do I do this or do I do that? And then emotionally, like, what do I need emotionally? Like, I've asked you for some increased words of affirmation because I know that that's going to help me with everything else. That's my top love language and getting those from you really helps me feel like I have strength and a greater capacity to tackle other things. And I've made sure to prioritize like playing with Scout and like taking her on our walk last night. Like I just, 
again, there's room for things to go wrong. I'm not at all trying to say that this foster experience has been perfect or will be perfect, but I just feel like we're ahead of all of those things this time. Like I'm really aware of the different things that might be hard and I feel super equipped to act in a positive direction for those things before they actually become an issue. Mm -hmm. And it's been fun, huh? All three times, I think I've definitely seen, or at least moments, but generally the whole time you've been having fun, overjoyed with the puppies at times. I'm definitely a little bit more mellow about the whole thing and (laughs) much less attached, but... I know. I come over and I'm like, oh, don't you love him? Isn't he just so cute? Don't you just love him? And you're like, he's all right. (laughs) (laughs) It's not how my feelings work, but I still, you know, they're cool to have around. It's mostly, (laughs) it's fun for me to see how much you like them. You know, it's much less about me and the puppies or anything, which I know is strange or whatever, but um, I don't know. You know, I know desire to keep them forever <laughs> um, you ask oh are you so sad to see them go and i'm like well not really and i don't know i i just am very quick at internalizing from the get-go like oh we're having them for a short time and then they're going and yeah like emotionally i just don't really have any other options that are swirling around <laughs> like i know that's what's happening so it's it's not even really sad to see them go but you know it's fun just to think back on them yeah. Yeah, we're we're built differently in that way. I love being married to you. I love that we have so many good similarities, but we also have those differences that I feel like we help ground each other and balance each other out. Um but yeah, I love I love that you brought it back to being fun because it's so natural, especially when talking about like fostering with a quote unquote reactive dog and like thinking about logistics. We've spent a lot of time talking about the moments that have been tough and like the things that have been difficult mm-hmm. and required a lot of energy. Um But fundamentally, like, I've had a blast all times that we've fostered. Like, even with Val, that was definitely the hardest experience. It was the longest experience. It was, I think, required the most of me. But, like, I adored her. Like, I had a blast with her. We had so much fun messing around and teaching her a few different things. And then the puppies were even more fun. Again, partially because I think that we were better at being prepared and knowing fostering would be. Partially because they are baby dogs. Mm-hmm. Partially because Scout was less afraid of them. Again, because they are baby dogs. Um, like, I just had a blast. Like, there was that one moment when we fostered Mystic and Arlo. And besides that, even when I was waking up in the middle of the night, I would come back to bed and I would just be like, they gave me these little kisses. Like, like I just adored them. And then Joey is just maybe the cutest thing that's ever lived. Like, He's so cute and he just falls asleep right on me and he feels safe when he, you know, if I'm like sitting sort of cross-legged on the floor, he tries to crawl underneath my legs because he feels safe in that tiny little space and it feels so special, like at the risk of sounding way too silly and sentimental, like we get to help him in this really foundational part of his life. Like he's not doing great right now, but we're going to help him feel better and set him up to have the best chance at a really full life. And I love him. (laughs) Those are the motivations for fostering me. I would die for Joey. (laughs) To help the dogs, to help out the shelter, because it's fun for us and and all that stuff. You always say it's a bit selfish, but I think that's It is a bit selfish. I'm getting puppy snuggled. Like, when when that little potato wobbles out of his crate and runs over (laughs) to me, like, it's just pure euphoria. Like this, I, I know that the shelter thinks that I'm helping them, but they gave me a puppy. Greatest gift. Best gift is that we get to give it back. <laughs> and they're, they're shot. <laughs> I do think that helps. I think that that's important to acknowledge. Neither of us are interested in having a second dog. We really like being a one animal household. Yumi and Scout have a great thing going as our trio. And I think that knowing that it's been temporary every time has also helped. Mm-hmm. Like, again, it's been sad. I've cried. Like, I cried when we dropped Val off. I cried when we took the puppies back. Goodness knows I'm going to cry when we take Joey back. It's only been a day, and I just, I love oh. him so much. But um, but as difficult as it has been to let them go, I've also been able, kind of like a little bit like what you said, to stay grounded in why we did it in the first place and to be really happy with what we've done for them and excited for them. And then also, like, again, a bit selfishly to know that, our household is going to be back to normal. Like, it would be harder for me to bring a new dog into the space and see Scout struggle a little here and there 
Like, she's clearly doing really, really well with Joey, but her baseline stress level is a little bit elevated. That would be a lot harder for me if it was, like, a forever thing, and I wasn't totally sure how it would play out. Like, I'm confident that we could get her to live with another dog and could she'd adjust. I'm sure that, like, if we, you know, in the alternate universe where we keep Joey, like, he and Scout become fine, everything's fine. But it is a lot easier for me to just know, like, that it's temporary and that when the foster is gone... Scout's going to get several days of really great decompression and still be the one and only. And mm-hmm. I will get sleep again. Yeah, <laughs> if we ever want to foster again, it's totally a choice and we get to pick when we do it and all that good stuff. Yeah, I just love him. He is so cute in there. And he's been so good. We've been recording for almost an hour and he's mostly just been sleeping in there. Probably time to take him out and see if he'll poop. Yeah. <clears throat> probably time to get back to Joey. But any final thoughts about fostering? Do you think, I mean, obviously you're happy we've done it. Yeah. Do you suggest it to other people? I'm really hesitant to suggest almost anything to other people because life is so nuanced and I don't want people to feel pressured in any way. I think every situation is different. But that said... I have personally found fostering really, really rewarding. I have been surprised at how manageable it's been, even with a dog who is not the ideal foster sibling. You know, like Scout is not a dog who most people would be like, ah, yes, like a great dog to teach a foster dog the ropes. Like that is not her. But I think she's knocked it out of the park. I'm so proud of her. It's been surprisingly easy. I know we spent a ton of time talking about the logistics and the difficulties, but I was prepared for it to be a lot harder than it was, I think. Um, So with that, I would say that if fostering is something that someone is interested in and feels like could be a win-win for them, their family, the, the dog in question that they would foster, and they're a little bit uncertain about how their resident dog would be or uncertain about if they'd be able to, I would encourage them to think through those logistics and have, you know, connect with a good support network and give Mm -hmm. it a go. I think it's more attainable than it sometimes feels. Um, But I would also like to say that there are so many ways to help the rescue community, so many ways to just support dogs in in general, um, supporting ethical rescues, supporting ethical breeders, that I sometimes see some messages out there that really, really push fostering and that sometimes make it sound like you're a bad person if you don't foster. And I would really like to iterate that it is entirely okay if you think about those logistics and decide, no, I am not comfortable or able or simply willing right now to open my home to another mm-hmm. dog. So there's my really wishy-washy answer. Like, yes, I would suggest it, but also only if you're genuinely excited about it. Don't yeah. don't feel pressured. It definitely take, can take a lot of time, especially depending on the dog. But, you know, probably a lot of the dogs that are getting fostered, at least in our circumstances, because... They want to get them out of a shelter for a specific reason. So, you know, they might take a bit more time and it can be a pretty big shift for your normal life and your normal interactions, even with the other people in the house. Oh, yeah. And stuff like that. So it puts a little bit of a strain on our relationship. I mean, maybe strain's the wrong word. We're a really good team and we're good at talking about mm-hmm. it. So it's, it's never been a big deal. But like definitely has been really important that I consider how having a foster in the home is going to affect the quality time that we're getting. And then the other thing that I can't believe I haven't added yet, but holy cow is really important is how incredibly lucky I am that I work remotely and that I also currently have a flexible schedule. I think that probably just remote work would have been enough. We could have, we could have done the past two foster puppies and Joey, even if I was still at my nine to five, as long as I was remote. Um, but it would have been harder. But there's no way that we could have had Mystic and Arlo or Joey now if we both worked full-time out of the house. Mm-hmm. Like, logistically, right. it couldn't have happened. Couldn't have signed up for puppies. And that's okay. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong, again, with acknowledging logistical constraints and making the decisions that are kindest for everyone involved. Like, I'm so psyched that we have Joey. But, you know, like, all of our fosters have definitely been a lot of time, and it's been a huge privilege that I've been able to take that time when you're, at like, out of house in the office, and then part of that ties back into the potential strain on our relationship. Like, because I was able to do so much with Val and the puppies, 
when you were out of the house at work, I was able to sort of fit that into my flexible remote schedule. That gave us more time when you got home to be doing things together that were less focused on the dog. Mm. So like everything just swirls together and makes a whole big mix of how it works or not, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And that works for us because of how, you know, we're used to our relationship going and I'm sure other things work for different people. It's, it definitely can be a little hard to imagine how fostering might fit into your life. I think, you know, it's easy to not know until you've done it. But at the same time, I think if you plan for it, uh, you probably pull it off without, you know, going too horribly, being too much of a disaster. And then after that, you can always decide to never do it again or it was a fun experience. Yeah. Yeah, I've been pleasantly surprised. Oh my goodness, he is all flopped over on his side in his crate. I love him. <laughs> All right, I could keep talking about Joey and fostering for forever, but I do think it's time to take that baby outside and see if he has to use the bathroom. Sounds good. That's it for all four of us, then. Thanks for fostering with me. (laughs) Goodbye from Joey.